The revolution will not be televised. The revolution is here. Yeah. It's common sense. With DJ Premier. We gon' help y'all see clear. It's real hip hop music from the soul, y'all. Yeah, check it. Yeah. This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, presented by Four Roses. What's going on, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. And I got a very special treat for you today because a couple of guys came by the condo. We taped an interview. We go about two hours here. We get really deep. Uh, I want to plug this before I forget. Okay, so the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify and SoundCloud. I'm on social media at BennyTomp18. Okay, there's a show page on Facebook at Real Talk W Benny T. Rate it all. All right, I'm just shamelessly plugging everything at this point, but that's the game. So help a homie out. Okay, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, it helps more than you guys know, okay? Uh, if you're a first-time listener, welcome. Good to have you with us, my friends, all right? We are not wasting any time here because we go deep on a lot of different issues. This was a super positive conversation, super raw, super real, uh, between three guys that just want to see changes in our community and in our society, and we want to be positive agents of change in these same places. We cover how you can be a difference maker with your actions and with your words. We give some keys to growth and having difficult conversations, finding coexistence despite having disagreements, thoughts on white privilege, on Confederate statues being torn down, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Ahmaud Aubrey. We cover a lot, okay? And if there's one thing that we hope that you take away from this, hopefully you learn a few things, okay? But most importantly, the biggest takeaway from this should be don't just complain about it, be about it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with William Leach Sr., I call him Coach, and William Leach Jr., I call him Will. Enjoy. All right, we're rolling. Fellas, I've got William Leach Sr. and William Leach Jr. in the studio, and uh, it's been been a while since uh, I saw you, Coach Leach, but the last time you were here, we had a really positive conversation about some of the things, and and really just kind of uh, almost a preemptive getting to some of the issues that we're probably still going to be here talking about today, I would imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always good to see you, Ben. Always, always, always good to see you. Um, Hello, world. Hopefully, we can grow together in this little bit of time we are together. I have a lot on my mind, a lot on my heart, but specifically to speak from a place where God's character stands out first and not my character. Um, So let's get it. And Will Jr., it's good to see you, man. It's been... Uh, over 10 years since I've actually seen him. I mean, we're friends on Facebook, but it's been a minute since I've seen you, so it's good to see you, man. Man, I just wanted to say it's it's such an honor to, one, see you. Like you said, in over <laughs> 10 years, man, you look slim. <laughs> uh, to introduce myself, I am William Lee Jr., and I'm happy to be here. And just to chime in, give my two cents, I uh, wanted to be able to have this platform just to show that we're able to have a conscious conscious conversation with one another even if we are able to differ but be able to show someone what positivity looks like in differences Mm -hmm. what God looks like in conversation so yeah I'm excited 
I'm ready to roll. Let's get to it. I know we're going to have a few controversial conversations, but this is an opportunity for us to show ourselves as leaders to show folks how to have that conversation. So let's do it. Cool. Now, you guys, uh, Coach, you texted me and said that the topic today was be about it, don't complain about it. Uh, honestly, I have no idea where we're going with this. I mean, I figure I probably have an idea. You say we're going to be controversial, maybe controversial to, to some people that I, I don't know. I have no idea where we're going to go with this, but I'm ready for it. So let's let's jump in. What do you got? So I'm going to tell you what's on my mind is <clears throat> we see in the public eye quite a few things that are happening politically um, and a, quite a few things that are happening socially. Um and I personally have some things that affect me. Being a little older than you guys, I look at you uh, specifically as my own sons, definitely blood sons and in my own mind. However, I still get quite concerned about all of the young men and women who have had the opportunity to impact positive or negative. And most of the time I would like to say is positive. But anyway, what's on my mind was I noticed from those who are 50 and older, <clears throat> We have a standpoint that says there's a lot of complaining going on. We have a standpoint, those who are 50 and older who um, are saying, well, you need to and you should. Okay. Well, to that group of folks, what have we not done to cause the younger men and women who are still in their 20s or 30s to want to run for office to make that change? If we are supposed to be the ones who have taught them, maybe we've dropped the ball somewhere because now we're just complaining. Furthermore, I would like to say uh, in, in regards to the be about it, <clears throat> anyone who is 50 or younger, you were recipients of whatever the civil rights movement did. You just you, you, you went to school together, you ate together, you slept together, you played on the same teams together. Uh, and even quite of those who are in their 60s, those who are over 60, maybe not so much, but those who are 50 and less, you did. You were beneficiaries. And for those who are 20 and 30, having a hard time at age 50 trying to understand where do you even fathom the idea of not liking someone because of their sexual orientation or their skin color. That doesn't make sense to me because you don't have the same, you didn't have the same uh, obstacles. It's silly. That's a personal thing. So instead of complaining about it, okay, what can we do to make a coexistence for everyone a little better? Oh man, I, I need to stop and, and yield the, the mic to you guys because I need you to respond back before I carry on. Both some interesting points. So I'll try to break it down, you know, one step at a time. Um, the The first point that stuck out to me was what, uh, correct me if I said it wrong, uh, what is it that is holding our generation, our, the 20s, the 30s, 30-year-old group of running for office? Why do you not feel like you, why do you feel like you do not see many of us in those roles I'll give my opinion I believe for us we came up in a show me world uh, where entertainment cell phones social media the internet was a big boom for us mm -hmm. in in our age groups so everything was so much show me 
right? And I believe in in that time for us, when you when you said we are recipients for what the civil rights movement was, that was something that we just had to believe was was the truth. Um, for us, it we didn't have I would say not didn't have, but weren't aware of those outward examples of leadership in the politics, leadership in our communities, who. Uh, made that made a, a grand effect on our age group for us to want to follow in those footsteps for us I believe I mean please correct me from wrong Ben it was so much so the lecture of this is what we went through and you guys are the recipients of that and it's silly for you all to have x y and z issue right mm-hmm. uh, one one thing that sticks out for me is you know I, I don't want to knock on the word silly but a an issue for our generation, an issue for the generation uh, prior to us, are one the same that is look different. Mm-hmm. So, if if we're going to tack, tackle uh, racism, prejudice, prejudice um, any type of you know, mis misnomer, misnomenclature, judgment of any kind, right? It it still exists like the as the way that it did in the sixties and seventies and fifties, but it just has a different face to it. So to ask us to attack it in the same way is not going to work. It'd be almost misappropriated. So for us, what we would what we would ask is okay. Yes, we want to, but show us how. Um, I would have to give kudos to the generation behind us, the eighteen, the sixteens, the uh, twenty young twenty year old there activists they're active and they want to be out there it's just show them show us how to place that frustration show us how to place the anger show us how to place that want to so we know a direction to go i think that would be a question for us to you all show us how so i want to try to understand this better are you you're frustrated coach because you feel like people in their 20s and 30s are not being vocal enough or not doing enough or going about it in a different way and or your your so your frustration is with people in their 20s and 30s and will junior you're trying to get through to your dad saying there are people that are my age that are doing things that just looks a little bit differently is is am i in the ballpark yeah you're in the ballpark definitely in the ballpark i would not say that i am frustrated with our late 20s and 30 year olds I'm more frustrated with my 50-year-old complaining compadres, male, female, black, white, green, yellow, outer space aliens. Um, they, they're the ones who are frustrating me, and it, it bothers me to see my 25, 30-year-old former students and, and colleagues upset when you all are in the position to take office and these old farts who are steadily being reelected to seats over and over again and haven't changed. Uh, the things that worked, heck, the things that worked when you all were 15 don't necessarily work now. They just, they just don't. They don't fit. Um, your former high school, the things you learned when you guys were first at Trinity High School and even at North Odom, those things don't work for this 17, 15, 16, 17-year-old student now. Mm-hmm. We've changed. We know that. Yet we fail to evolve with that. Recently, I spoke with a, a a student who's a little bit, I think he's one or two years older than you guys. He graduated a year or two older from Trinity from you, than you. And I asked a young man, 
He said that he was upset about how things were going on politically. I said, great points. Why don't you run for office? He would be 31. He said, oh, no, not me. I, mm -mm, I wouldn't run for office. That's political. That's a uh, professional suicide. Then what are you complaining about? If you're not willing to get out there and fight for it, then what are you complaining about? Well, somebody else should do that. So we passed a buck. I, I can't wait to be in a geriatric state to say, Will, what are we going to do? Uh, and I'm too old to actually get out and fight. You know, I can't wait, Ben, for for someone to get on a podcast or the radio to say, hey, some change has to happen. Change has to happen now. You're right, Will. The, the guys and girls who are younger than you all, they are activists. Uh, the The young man who began the protest for the last school shooting, that ended up all the way in Washington, D.C. I can't recall his name right now, but the, the shooting took place in Florida. Um, he, he started a whole movement of teenagers to say, hey, gun control and gun laws need to be reformed so it's not so easy for folks to have or get a hold of guns and use them like they do. I have no problem with your Second Amendment. Use it. Use your Second Amendment. Use your First Amendment. Use all of them, god dang it. However... There are some nutcases who have them, but they are misusing them. Mm -hmm. And uh, mental health is an issue. Uh, that's another topic I'll deal yeah. with later. Yeah. I remember um, her name's Emma Gonzalez. I remember her emerging as one of the really, really vocal leaders from, I think it was Parkland, maybe. I mean, honestly, there's been so many shootings, it's hard to keep up with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there are, it's almost... Sometimes I feel like we are in this period of social awakening where people are starting to realize that they do have a voices and they do have power in, in speaking those voices. And we see people using um, their platforms like this and other people joining together to say, well, we're not going to give this place our business anymore and moving the money away. Because a lot of times that's a lot of power is where, where the money goes. Mm. I think that there would be a lot of people that would say, you know, like like myself or, or you, Will, uh, maybe we don't, I, I, I don't want to run for office, you know, but I do want to use my voice for positive change. I do want to be part of the solution and stand with the people. And But that doesn't mean that I have to run for office to do that. And I think that anybody who is willing to stand up and have the courage to put their name on something and raise their hand and say, here's what I believe and defend it, is a part of that solution. They don't have to be uh, a political leader to make a difference. You know, to say that would, would be to say that people in our churches or our gyms or our workplaces don't have influence or power when they want to speak up and say, this is wrong, this is fucked, we need to be better about this. Absolutely. That's something I can actually 100% agree with, you know, um, so I heard I heard a statement said that 2020 has not been the year that we that we wanted it to be, but <laughs> it was so funny. But it's been the year that we needed it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been the year that 
like you had said, folks are having the social awakening that I do have a voice. Mm-hmm. It's been the year that says that, okay, it's time for me to, to be an activist. Know that I, I, I may not want to run for a public office, but I can use a voice to affect change in my community. Mm-hmm. And that's what my, myself personally urges everyone to do. If you have a opinion, if you have a stance, if you have something that you do see is wrong, now is that time to call it out within your community. That's the change that we're talking about. Ever do you have those that say, "Well, just shut up and vote," or just shut up and do whatever it is that that you've been doing? Mm-hmm. Going back to the norm cannot be what we do. Mm-mm. Okay, so it, of course it hasn't. So challenging those norms that, that that we've lived with challenging those um things that have just been quid pro quo within our own homes with our own communities that's what our generation and the one behind us are more than willing to do well i'm hoping we're more than willing to do mm-hmm. but um, there are always there are always those who just like you had said who wait who are waiting for someone else to do it mm-hmm. you know pop uh, i can 100 percent agree that mentality has to stop now mm-hmm. uh, the mentality like you said you know in your own community, what can I do to affect change? If I have a podcast, there's some, it's my time to say something. If I'm on the job and I do see something that needs to be called out, now is your time to say something. Definitely. If you, you know, whatever your opportunity is, there is in this techno- technological world, in this social world that we have, there is umpteen billion avenues for you to be a difference maker, umpteen different avenues for you to make change. If and now in this time you choose not to do so, that makes you a part of the problem and not a solution. Right. So I give kudos for those who are doing so and challenge those who are not doing so. Please do so. Speak up. Say something. Do something. You got it. Good. I just, I think, you know, I guess what bugged me a little bit, not bugged me, and, and I, I can understand this kind of from both sides. So when... Uh, I think a lot of times people... Both, both sides of what? Okay. So I think a lot of times people will uh, sometimes only do or say things because they, they just want to be seen as, I'm I'm doing the thing, right? And so recently we had Blackout Tuesday, you know, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago now. Um, there were a lot of people who were speaking up on social media platforms, their Facebooks, their Twitters, their Instagrams, whatever. And I think that that was important. That certainly highlighted and brought a lot of attention to it. And if it gets more people talking about something, then then that is important. Uh, but I, I do think there was a lot of people that maybe did that just so they could say, well, I did it. Okay. I don't want to get called out. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to be called this or that. I'm not racist, right? I did the thing. I also think, um, like, this is something that I was struggling with, was I did talk about it on the podcast that I did that week, and I didn't want to also just be somebody that did the Blackout Tuesday thing, and then we're back to business as usual on Wednesday, right? So my girlfriend and two black friends and I went down to Jefferson Square Park, and we saw uh, Mayor Fisher come out, and he was basically gave an impromptu Q&A. And we stood there for maybe 20 minutes, watched him speak, did some chants, and then we left. And we went home. Uh, we, actually, we went down to Waterfront Park and just kind of talked about like what we had seen and, and how we are part of that solution, right? And when I left, uh, my girlfriend and I kind of continued that conversation. And 
I felt good about the fact that I wasn't just somebody that had done the thing on social media and then there we go, right? Um, But now here I am three weeks later, I've been gone for a week on vacation and now I'm back and it's like, what what can I continue to do? Well, I continue. I can continue to have discussions like these and have people like yourselves on the podcast so that we can continue to bring light to these issues. Um, I think the biggest thing is continuing to just have difficult conversations with my friends. Um, and I, you know, I know that we. It's been a while. Like you, you probably you know, I, people tell us our group of friends all the time. I'm. You guys have a really diverse group of friends like this is awesome and we we've always been uh welcoming just don't be an asshole that's basically it you know that's what i'm asking for right <laughs> right and so it's like we we end up you know going to music festivals or we go downtown or we do whatever and it's like we we attract uh people because we just want everybody to have a good time and i think that um looking around at some of the people that have come over to the condo before or that I see out that I might not really kick it with all the time, but I I'm, I know if I go out or something, I'm going to see them. Some of those fringe people where I can think back to things that they've said that made me feel uncomfortable, but for whatever reason, I just didn't speak up or I wasn't loud enough in my criticism or, or condemnations. And now it's on site, like, because you guys are right. 2020 was the year that this needed to happen. And whether, you know, for 100, 200 years, however long it's been, we wanted to kind of sweep some of these issues under the rug. Now, all we got is time. Right, so right. It, 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 it's coming whether we like it or not, or not right? right? And when you talk about things going back to normal, like, no, when, if, if people come over here and, and they say things that I don't like, then I'm going to tell them you can get out or we're fighting. That's it. It's on site. Yeah. Yeah. And when I go out and if somebody says something stupid, then they're going to catch a slap in the head. And, and that's just it. Right. Uh, I, I, because I'm just, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, it, it frustrates me. And, and that's that's like, I'm not, I really am not uh, that violent of a person, but it pushes me to that place where I'm ready to throw hands because it means that much to me at this point. Because I, I don't want things to continue. And we have to be those agents of change and, and, and police the people who are our age so that we don't get to be your age. Or, or on the other side of 50 and 60 and still look around and still look at people our age and younger than us and think, right. w- why is this still here? Right. And that's something I can 100 percent agree with. And I do want to put this out here when you said that, you know, you look at your group of friends and it's and this is the opportunity, the time where you call some catch some bull. Mm. This is the time where I call out. I do also challenge my community, the African-American community, the same conversations, that same type of enthusiasm and um, an action that you want to take against bull. This is the same conversation that we need to have in our own communities. OK, so if we want to say, hey, we need some help from our Caucasian counterparts, the nut says as African-American men, women, children, we need to hold ourselves accountable as well. So we can't ask you all to be about it if we're not willing to be about it as well. Mm-hmm. So it does take a take an action of the collective regardless of your race because i if if we all agree that racism is bad that's what you see on social media that's what you see on folks just doing the for now stance with the you know if that's what our 
collective stances and we all need to hold ourselves accountable as well as holding someone else accountable too. I got one more thing before you jump in here, coach, is recently one of the friends that came down to that protest with me, we get over in a situation, literally this is same week, I think, maybe four or five days later, it's on a weekend, we go over to where my parents live. They live maybe 10, 10 minutes down 42. Nice neighborhood. There's a quarry in it. It's a private place. The people that have invited us over are people that we've known for since I was in high school, right? Uh, so long time. And we start having a conversation that starts to go into the Black Lives Matter protests. They're big Fox News people. They're using, you know, not differentiating between protesters and rioters or looters. And they're coming at it from a place that they just they just don't understand it. And I left that conversation very frustrated because my friend who's black, who's laying out, we're all laying on these tubes on their quarry, right? And I'm the one trying to make them understand and, and make them understand frustration and why the city is um, in the current position that it's in. And he laid out. He totally laid out. Went radio silent. Mute. At, lay there. I don't know if he fell asleep or he was <laughs> acting like he was just asleep. But I left and I was pissed off and I said something to him about it. I was like, you know, you really let me down there, right? And I can understand from his point of view, and, and I don't know if this is the case, but I, I, I would understand if this is the case for some black people, is when you do start to speak up and when you do start to raise your voice in places where people have always looked at you and you've been accepted and you've passed, right? But people have never really looked at you as a problem, right? Or an activist. And when you start to use your voice and maybe people don't like it, then you might lose some friendships. You might have some people that unfollow you that that you look at and, and say things to you and you go, I really like this person, but now I'm second guessing it. You know, now now I'm seeing their true colors, and watching. I, I'm sure, and watching him lay out and not say anything, not speak up at all. When we had just come from a protest, and and he's got this energy like fuck them all, like I'm going to do. And then the first time this conversation gets brought up, literally a circum like a a a, a time to have this conversation. Nothing. And let me get this right. Was was he the only minority there? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what I what I feel like maybe it was was the reason that he didn't is because a he's probably tired of having those conversations. But I mean, we all are. It's a problem. It's not going to go away. So you got to continue to have them. But b, I'm sure that he is probably grappling with, am I going to not be okay with what I find? If I have these conversations with people, am I going to lose friends? Will, pe will people see me differently? And am I going to be okay with that? And I and so I think there's sometimes can be a hesitation for black people to have those conversations with some of their white friends. Uh, and certainly being the only minority in that conversation where there's, you know, five or six white people, no matter how close we are, could could maybe be offsetting. I also think that, uh, you know, white people that don't speak up and, and you know, the big thing that's uh, come out has been you're not racist, but you're not an anti-racist. Mm -hmm. And so having those conversations about, well, this isn't, this isn't okay, and, but, but having to speak up, 
you have to have those conversations. I think sometimes white people maybe be they they might be um, afraid to speak up because they don't want to say the wrong thing. I've seen that happen where I somebody says something on Facebook or whatever, and then they say they say something. It doesn't really. It misses the mark. You know, you can you can try to you can try to see what they're saying, but it, they they don't say it the right way, or they don't really fully understand it. They're close, and then they get shut down. Right? They get canceled by the internet. And I think some people might be scared of speaking up because they don't want that to happen to them. None of it's right. Okay. Um, but but here are some of the things that I'm seeing right. and. Right. So, so I, I want to respond to you. I need that that yellow pad there because there's so much that we're getting, and, I, and I'm on purpose saying to myself, I want to write a, a couple of things down. Yeah. Um, so, in particular, one of the things I want to touch on really, really, really fast, and I ask both of you all to think about it, is we have to differ- differentiate between the word racism and prejudice. In order for one to be Racist, you have to have some type of authoritative or power, not necessarily authoritative. Just you just got to have a power, and whatever that that power comes in many different fashions. Um, financially, it comes very strong, or politically, it's very strong. Um, you could be the the boss or the owner of a particular company. You have the power at that moment, or a platform. You have the power at that moment. Mm-hmm. I would say that everyone has a prejudice against something. I don't like Chinese food. That don't mean I don't like Chinese people. I just don't like Chinese food. So, yes, I'm prejudiced against Chinese food. Not even orange chicken? No, nah, man, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. You know, I, after visiting that part of the world and seeing a few animals that were skinned and hanging from, <laughs> that were fresh, as they would say, no, nah, right. I just, I'm prejudiced against Chinese food. Mm. But... The idea of being racist is totally different. I would even contend that most white America is not racist. They probably have some prejudice as anybody else. Let me uh, clarify that. Everybody, again, has a prejudice against something. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on beyond that. If we look at these things uh, and define them, we we can... we would understand how to deal with them once we've defined them for ourselves. I think fear comes in there quite a bit. Um, now, I'm go- I, I, want, I want to back up a little bit because I, I text William something earlier this week because I was blown away by this. Um, speaking from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, I would say all of those folks who are Bible thumping, church going individuals. Okay, I would say those folks who are Bible thumping, church going individuals. On Sunday, they are extremely conservative and probably consistently conservative, black or white. But when it comes to their political views, it's like they're two separate entities. I told my mother-in-law. I don't think black America can separate their politics away from their skin color because a lot of the politics are associated systematically with their skin color. Whether we want to admit that or not is there. 
So when you hear systematic racism, they're talking about those who have the power to oppress or suppress another individual or community. Oftentimes, those are people of color. Oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Hence, we go back to that definition of racism. When someone supports a political view that is systematically racist, they get a tag of being racist. Now, on the other side of that, speaking on the term of Black Lives Matter, I think that rubs people wrong because specifically, no, let me rip the Band-Aid off. I think it rubs white America wrong who have a problem with Black Lives, that statement, Black Lives Matter. Uh, they hear, you're calling me a racist. First of all, do you have the power to be racist? Probably not. Well, I don't think that it takes power to be racist. I mean, anybody that, like a homeless person could be racist, right? No, they could be prejudiced. Only the way to have racism is you got to have power. You got to you you got to be able to affect somebody. You can be prejudiced. I think you have to have power to oppress, but I I don't think that it takes power to be racist. Just because anybody can say things or do things that are racist, and they don't have to be. It can come from anywhere. Completely agree. Um, while while you were talking, I wanted to just Google by definition what racism is. By definition, just just Google. Um, it says a belief that race is primary determined of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of particular of a particular race. So by by definition, I cannot agree that you can only be racist if you have a position of power. By defin by pure definition, because because the, the, the definition suggests that. I believe that the color of my skin is inherent more superior than you based, not based off of class, not based off of creed, not based off of position. Okay. Um, systemic racism is different from just the, the plain, the plain word, the plain word Definitely. is what we're talking about. Okay. Definitely. The plain word, the plain person is the one that we have direct ability to affect. Okay. Now, would that person want to outright and call themselves racist? Hey, that's that's on you, buddy. But by definition, if you believe by purity of your skin color, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go and chime back in on uh, something that you have brought up, Ben, in regards to, you know, having that conversation. Right. When you were around the African-American gentleman who was the one guy in six who didn't want to have the conversation. Right. Um yeah, a couple factors do come into play there, right? But I think when you speak of those factors of, yeah, it was the one guy there, the conversation that he's probably had a hundred times, a thousand times, and he's worn out from it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the opportunity for him to speak is right then and there. And you're on the news, you're in front of the, the cameras there, and why not, right? And I can understand where he comes from, and I can agree, but if change is what we want right if if i want to hold you accountable for having that conversation then i need to continue to have that conversation as well definitely okay um what will never change is i will never not be in a minority that's not going to change okay and knowing that i have to be able to, to be bold enough to say that okay i am the minority but I do have a voice, okay? But I do understand the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So I do continue to challenge my African-American brothers and sisters to have these type of conversations, okay? 
it can't be like you said, like the, the one time I made an Instagram post or a social media post and then I'm done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's to have that conversation with those folks who don't agree with you and don't look like you. And like when you had a uh, reference, you know, sometimes folks on either side, like the sides that we're speaking of are black or white, mm -hmm. um, have a fear of wanting to have that conversation for the fear of losing friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I said, 2020 is not the year we wanted to be. It's when we needed it to be. So, this is the time for me to call out or let me find out exactly who my friend is. Okay. If I don't do that, then I just continue with the same norms, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's a challenge that you got that we have to continue to urge our urge everyone to do just goes back. It also refers to pop the same challenge of, are you truly a conservative? Are you truly a liberal? Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's where I was going per with that. Uh, Personally, I don't believe anyone can be a hundred percent either. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, um, if I'm going to say that, I will also have to be willing to have the conversation with someone who is extremely right or extremely left. What I mean is you have to be willing to have that conversation with somebody who is guaranteed going to differ with you. If you want that person to change, they're not going to be changed or want to hear a different um, difference of opinion by the people that they get along with. Sure. Right. Yeah. Neither with you. Your your friend group are the people friends group are the people who agree with you. This is our challenge to have that conversation with the person that does differ right and i think that y you can't like if you say well people don't listen people don't want to listen but then you're not willing to also have that conversation and listen then y you're a hypocrite exactly mm -hmm. exactly you've gotta don't don't just complain about it you gotta be about <laughs> it right and if you have a conversation with somebody that you know is a staunch conservative or a bleeding heart liberal, you can't just say, well, they're not going to listen to me, therefore I'm not going to listen to them, because then what do we have? We have nothing. We have no exactly. dialogue. And to your point, it, it made me think about watching um, one of the guys that was downtown. And and I think in these conversations, it's important because, you yes, people are upset, people are frustrated, it, it makes people feel very strongly. But you have to be smart, and you have to be patient, and you have to be direct with your message. Exactly. And the example that I'm, I'm thinking about is there was a guy who came up, and he was kind of emceeing this, this kind of whole thing, right? And in, a, in, you know, 20 minutes, it was going well, and then as he's saying something, it didn't really land that well with the crowd, Okay. And then he starts to lose his cool. He starts to lose his cool. And the crowd starts to turn on him. And then he's kind of throwing the microphone back. And he's, you know, kind of just jawing back and forth with people. And, and that's when you start to lose people is if you're not cool and calm and, and patient and willing to listen. And it takes strong leadership. You can't, you can't just come into it and just throw a bunch of stuff and then be like, I'm not going to listen. You have to... Right. Sit down and be willing to have that conversation. Having difficult conversations is the key. It's the most intricate part of growth for anyone. Um, as a football coach, I have to have a conversation with that individual player who's going to run the play that's going to work for me. I can't scream and holler at him right on that second while I'm teaching him. Now, if he screws the play up after he's run it five times and he knows how to do it, <laughs> yeah, he's going to get a few superlatives and maybe a smack upside the head, like you said. There you go. You know, coached up. Coached yeah, coach, up. He's going to be coached yeah. up. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and that is not going to work in politics. That's not what I mean. That's, right. a, that's a bad representation of politics. But no, that's why we're not politicians. <laughs> that's though. right. But we can not. still talk about these things and we have power. Exactly. Yesterday I had a conversation with a gentleman, a white guy that graduated from Central High School, played basketball there. He was uh, the sixth man off the bench. He played the, the one, the point guard. And I'm laughing at the fact that he himself said, I get it. Every day at Central High School playing basketball, I had to prove myself on that basketball uh, basketball court for four years straight. I had to prove I could play basketball with the brothers. This is what he said. I didn't say this. It's quote unquote. Mm. I don't want to say his name on there, but he'll get it. There we go. But when I got out of the car with him yesterday, I was at peace because he says, I know that you as a black man have to do that every single time you wake up and open your eyes. Yeah, yeah, to the point that I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired for my sons, I'm tired for myself. I'm just flat out tired. Your friend that didn't speak, I'm betting that dude was just tired. Mm. You run out of gas to say, look, dude, I've done 110%. Why do you want me to do 150? For what reason? Okay, then on the other side, I hear my white friend say, hold up, man, you don't have to do that. That's wrong. Okay, well, then I need you to speak up because I'm tired of speaking up mm-hmm. over the same issue. On Last thing I'm going to give it to, to William is on Sunday after Tyler's, I was so hurt to know that Tyler Girth had given his own life as a hero for someone else. I, you know, respect to the Girth family and peace. You know, um, wow, big, big up to Mr. Chuck Girth. He spoke for his ch- his child and his family, so I'm trying to hold my own tears back because I'm a little bit pissed. I had a class with him at Trinity. I right. Mean. So, you know, I didn't know Tyler directly that I could recall, but I know that we've interacted. On Sunday, I was so upset when my wife and I drove back from Cincinnati that as she was speeding, I said, baby, you got to slow down. She said, what do you mean? You're doing 83 miles an hour, and she got a little bit perturbed. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to slow down. And she says, why? I said, sweetheart, here's how I'm feeling. Because at that point, I'm reading about Tyler, and I'm very upset. Because if we get pulled over, and I was in the passenger seat, I'm not letting a police officer take you to jail. Which means the following. This is what I know and everybody in America knows. He, I would have gotten in the way. I would have told my wife to drive off. That man probably would have defended himself and used the phrase, oh, I feared for my life. Mm. So in other words, I was willing to give my own life so my wife could live. Now, would that have happened? Maybe, maybe not. But that was my frustration of being tired of having to explain myself over small incidents. And someone may say, well, you know, as long as you abide by the law and you keep your hands where you can, where they can be seen and you do everything the police officer said, well, excuse me, world, and those who are watching on live, that shit don't work for black men. I don't care what you're talking about. It ain't work. Nice for what? <laughs> for what? You, As you said, nice for what? Yes, sir. No, sir. And you're getting slammed on your head. Mm-hmm. Nah, I ain't doing it. And nobody else would do it. You know, um, here, Will, I got to get out the way. So my challenge to that, so now we're talking about um, the police specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about um, in, in reference to possibly, you know, police brutality and 
um, its effects and its target on the African-American community. My, my question would be, um, well, it, I guess it would be hard for anyone to speak for an, um, an entire group of why does that exist? Um, where would that come from? You know, um, is there anyone who can speak to attest to what what is that target that says and and what it seems to be that African-American male is more so aggressive or dangerous than any other? My, my my question is to you, or if anybody wants to answer that, you know, where does that come from? I definitely don't speak on behalf of anybody but myself. Right. I think some of it comes from just decades of what we see on the television and what we see in movies and what we've learned through our experiences. I think a lot of times when black people in this country have always been made to be looked at as the problem or causing trouble or anything like that, there is a prejudice that police officers have when they roll up on a scene and they just see the color black, they're thinking, here's here's a problem, like I'm going to have an issue. I, I don't know. Right. That, that, that could be way off. Um, you know, one of the things that came up when... Um, white privilege was being really discussed a couple of weeks ago was uh, white privilege being you get the benefit of the doubt, right? And if you have two people who have committed the same crime, but the only thing that's different about them is their skin color, one of them is presumed guilty in this country, one of them gets the benefit of the doubt, right? That's right. That's white privilege. And I think when you always look at somebody as if they're doing something wrong you know when people see um like you know i i used the example that when you look at uh, somebody that gets arrested and they're black and an older person says well they, they were probably up to no good they were probably doing something wrong to assume that is to assume criminality right to assume that is to say skin color check criminal check yes, right. Exactly right right which is fucked right which is wrong and i think that police even though they might not consider themselves to be racist they could still be prejudiced in the sense that they roll up they see black they think okay we've got a situation here when really right. they should be policing everybody the same we know that unfortunately doesn't happen in this country right so Thank you for, for mentioning that when I asked, you know, where does that come from, right? The, the first, like you said, you can't speak for everyone, but I can agree with you to say that those prejudices or those assumptions more so, if not, come from what we surmise from entertainment, what we surmise from social media, uh, what we view. Like we said, like our generation is such a internet world, so what we see is what we assume, right? Mm -hmm. So... That is also a challenge to say what what we promote also fuels a stereotype. And I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on both ends, black and white. What we support on our own end in our own communities sometimes fuels a stereotype. That does not say that that allows the prejudice. OK, but at the same time, like I said, like there's no one spot. There's no there's no one side that's right without the other one being no wrong as well 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I got something. And, and literally just hearing you talk about this is perpetuating stereotypes. Right. Today, WDRB News tweeted out a link to an article that was talking about a police officer. She was like a corrections officer that had made racist posts and put up a bunch of Confederate flag stuff on Facebook. Right. But instead of showing her face on the article preview... It showed George Floyd's face, and it showed one, two, three, four, five charges that he had had, right? What the hell? And that is perpetuating racial yes. biases and stereotypes. Yes. Because you know what? The, the fact that it was a woman officer, but there are people in the comments section talking about his badge and he has the right to free speech and all this stuff. It's like, first of all, I know that you didn't read the article. Exactly. I know That's you scrolled right past it, and you you put two and two together, right? right. And, and it doesn't equal four because this is right. somebody else that did something. Put her face on it. Don't show George Floyd's face. And by the way, the fact that he had a criminal background has no... Re- it's it's, no it's irrelevant. Right it's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he lost his life, you know, people change. Like I've had, you know, I've had stuff that didn't stick to my record, but if I died tomorrow and somebody looked up and said, well, he said this that I didn't right. like and he did this when he was... 14 and like right. that that doesn't it doesn't mean he had to die exactly and the media sometimes is guilty of this and i called it out i said do better wdrb because this is right. bullshit people you, you're perpetuating that stereotype because you say this person like show her face right she's the one that said it. she's the one that made the post exactly people don't think for themselves sometimes we got a bunch of people that that's that, such a large point that that's, such a, that's, that's such a large point i'm so glad that you said that so I'm I'm so glad that you brought up that example one because people on both ends are so easily influenced by shotgun or or or, or quick ads mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. without doing informative research Some, a trigger fake news right? fake news right and that and I think that both ends are at fault for feeding into fake news I think that what we can do to make a change is for both sides to a hundred percent get informed on whatever topic or whatever feeling that we decide to have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that doesn't allow the opportunity for prejudice to happen, but it does open the door for to see who the real racist is if we're actually informed of what we're talking about, you know? So please, 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 I urge you not to use social media to be your your information hotline. Dig deeper. Even on this issue of politics that we spoke about briefly before. That I want to circle back to. I'm, I'm working my way to it. I, to say that I, I said a statement earlier that says, it's virtually impossible to be a hundred percent right wing or a hundred percent left. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that to be a Democrat or have been a Republican, that's something that has been fed through bloodlines mm-hmm. over time, over generations, over centuries mm-hmm. through your religious affiliation, your community affiliation. And it says, well, I'll just go with that in. And you see these, um, these trigger topics which are usually religion, um, abortion, gun control, trigger topics that, that'll force you to pick a side. And folks don't want to take the time and do the research to actually find out, okay, why do I actually believe that I'm X and X way, you know? And that's the, that's the change that we're asking for, to people to decide to do the information, do the deep dives. So I think if you do that, that eliminates, like I said, the opportunity for you to be prejudice but it does open the door to find out who the real racist is it blows my mind how many people are willing to just say tell me what to think exactly read 
read. There's a reason that if we want to get historical, that they didn't teach black people how to read way Come back on. in the day is because that's how you educate yourself. Exactly. You have to be informed to make opinions and and know what the hell you're talking about if you're going to talk about it, right? And so reading is important. It's important to understand the information. Um, I had something else that I was going to talk about, talking about uh, politics. Yeah, that's what we're going to. Uh, so the Black Lives Matter movement has been called political many times over. Right. And treason by the president. I think we're at a point where a movement like that, the reason that it gets politicized is because politicians talk about it. Right. Right? And when I think about, and that's, man, that's what we talked about when you came over and we did the last one, was Colin taking a knee. And America wasn't ready to listen to it. And mm-hmm. and I think that was 20, was that 2018 or mm-hmm. 2019, 2018? Two years ago. Yeah. And we're, we're having that conversation then. And now... We are willing to go back, and, and, and just recently I've been seeing Maya Moore that's getting really right. talked about right now, too, because she gave up her, her WNBA career um, for the criminal justice reform of somebody that was wrongly accused that just got out. He just got out. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but, but the problem is, for, for, for the white status quo, Black Lives Matter challenges that. And when you have politicians talking about this or that, and then it gets politicized, that's when right. people say, oh, I don't like the politics. But it's a human-to-human issue. Exactly. And our generation, Will, has the power to smack our friends upside the head to exactly. say, it's not politics. It's look around. These were once your friends. These are people that you grew up with, played with. Played with. Right. Showered with, right? Well, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and maybe, say, yeah, right? okay, <laughs> uh, maybe, all right. Um, but but these are your these are these are the people in your community, right? These are your neighbors, and to just say, well, I don't like the politics, and then just put your head back in the sand exactly. and say, tell me what to think, it's that's wrong. Exactly, hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I, I think Dad had more he wanted to say instead of say. I, I did, but I guess I was just reacting to what was happening there is to, again, coming back to this idea of politics, guys, you cannot sit back and say you don't like something and you're not being a part of the process. You've got to go vote. Oh, I don't vote. You can't just you can't just say I'm not going to vote. Now, maybe in the primary, I understand that. But at some point, you got to take a stance. Um, I, I know that I'm a conservative guy. I know that I am. I don't necessarily uh, uh, buy into the idea of necessarily being a full Democrat or a full Republican like you talked about earlier, William. And that is probably, no, probably, it's definitely because I know that I believe the words that I'm reading in my own Bible. And it's not because of the preacher who's saying, hey, believe this. It's because of what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. In fact, in my particular church, uh, that would, you know, he tells us, you read it. Don't hear, don't listen to what I'm saying. You read it for yourself. That being said, to go along to William's point and yours, Ben, you've got to read. You've got to read, guys. You've got to read. You can't say that you're a so-called Christian and then you're going to go and vote for something that's totally against what you just read. That's just dumb. Then you're not you're not going to be counted. That's just dumb. You're not going to be counted. Um, 
when I'm referring to not being counted in what God has asked us to be counted towards, which is to build up for yourself uh, riches and glory so you can get into heaven, not this stuff here on earth because it ain't going to last. When you die, you better leave it to somebody who's going to do something with it. Otherwise, it's just going to rust and go away to nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my two cents. The, the, the assumed criminality, um, I've got to speak on this as a teacher. Um, from a teacher's standpoint, I worry about my students of color and my white colleagues because what schools oftentimes do is they mimic, they totally mimic whatever's going on in society. That being said, I'm going to use my name, but to represent a young black male in a school. If William Leach Sr. is in class and he makes a dumb comment, instead of him being reprimanded, he's going to be sent out of the room and sent to in-school suspension with a written referral that says you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. That is the same exact thing that happens in society when you have a, a dummy at a basketball game who happens to be an older William Leach senior, 25 years old. He says, man, that shot was bogus. F you. Instead of him being corrected, he's escorted out of the arena and possibly told he can't come back. Hmm. So what does that mean for my white colleagues who are teachers? My white male teachers are going to have to slow down and listen. Unfortunately, that's just what's going to happen. That's definitely going to happen with our, our, our white female teachers. Kicking them out the classroom, that ain't going to work. Why don't we get to know each other? Maybe there's a reason why William Leach was making that comment in the first place that was dumb in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, don't assume that he's just a bad kid. No, it's, oftentimes it's a lot more going, I'm convinced. Young people who are in high school do not do dumb things or say things just because they want to. There's something else going on. There's an agitation. In 17, 18 years of teaching, I've written five referrals, two of which my administrator made me write because the kiddos were skipping. I wasn't going to write them up. I was going to smack them upside the head mm. and be done with it. <laughs> the wood. That, that, hey, right upside the head and be done with it. Anyway, moving on. Guys, we gotta we gotta talk to our kiddos. We gotta make it have an impact. Don't assume that criminality. I don't like that thing at all. You know, that was an earlier point that I wanted to get to. I'm gonna pass it off. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought up actually the classroom. Um, it, it it's pretty ironic because myself and another gentleman were wanting to write a article um, in the Courier Journal about um, the racial disparities inside the specifically the Catholic classroom inside of Catholic schools mm-hmm. you had um, said a, a statement pop that um, our teachers um, help me if I said it if I if I get this wrong our teachers oftentimes mimic what's going on in society schools do. schools do schools. right like as a microcosm of society Absolutely. right okay okay so I want to pitch a theory that says that that statement is actually false hmm. schools falsely mimic what's going on in societies based off of res- representation okay yeah. Because of how undiversified our um, our school systems are in the teachers and administrative roles, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So we if we're, if we're going to specifically talk about the Catholic school system, right, where we're saying that where you have teachers say, well, we're already doing that, we're already talking about that, right, or the system itself does not adequately represent the differences it wants to 
that it says that it's doing. Mm-hmm. When, for example, you have in, in our Catholic school system here here in Louisville, um, let's let's do the fictitious number of a hundred hundred um, hundred colleagues on on a faculty staff, and one of which is is African American. For that matter of fact, when we were at Trinity, there was one African American full time faculty member in the whole school. That was Two. Well, Steve. Steve, one teacher, one yeah, full time, one full time teacher out of 100 and out of 1300 students 40 of those were african-american males so that goes back to a point where you say well why does that gentleman act up in class right well if you look at you know the demographics of of the classroom one look at the the background of where that gentleman comes from and why he is there to begin with right so you have a class a classroom where of 20 or 30 kids where he's one of two mm-hmm. African American males and in a in from a teacher's point uh from looking at his teachers almost none look like him so he feels like he has no representation. So one either that kid, that kid will never speak up or two if he does act out well, or act or act of himself it'll be viewed as acting out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Negatively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I so I want to challenge school systems that you all need to represent the world that we would want it to be, not the way that it looks now. So I so I, I wanted to circle back and say that I believe that our school system is falsely representing what the world that it needs to be. I think both things are true. Well, I, I think um, to a de- to a degree, William, you're right. It is falsely representing the positives. However, it's definitely representing what exists. There are just not enough teachers, period. Again, black, green, yellow, alien that exists. Now, as far as African-American teachers, it's almost like they don't exist, especially the males. They just flat. They are one percent of the entire teaching force. Black males are one percent. Okay, when you said. There's one full-time teacher in 2005, I'm sorry, 2006 to 2008 in a particular Catholic institution here in Louisville. Yeah, that was probably right. Full-time, yeah. I never even looked at it that way. I just blew right by it because in my own personal opinion, it was working at that 110%, which obviously I didn't do well enough at. (laughs) Won't speak on that. Anyway, move on. Love, love everybody there anyway. You made a difference with me. Uh, I had that. I had that one percent. Well, you know, here we are. There's more than just you being. You know, God love every situation because there's some growth that involves that's involved in every situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Um, I was talking about William was the fact of that assumed criminality that takes place in schools with those young men of color. I don't have those problems. I just haven't had that problem where I had a little William Leach that was acting back. Hey, man, cut it out. And it was over with. Yes, sir. But then they would leave my classroom and go down the hallway and act a donkey's behind. But then I would ask that teacher, hey, man, what did you do? Um, Nothing. And they never got to know that student. They already had something going on in a lot of situations, not every, in a lot of situations that took place. I agree with you, William. There does need to be, in in a lot of school systems, some more diversity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that, that just because you are of a minority race does not mean you still relate to those children. You got to you have to get inside of their head. 
You know, there are a lot. Let me rip the Band-Aid off. There are a lot of black men and women who are middle class who cannot relate to a minority student who is poor. They have no clue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my kids, when we talk about, for example, something as small as drinking Kool-Aid, and I ask them what color is or what is the flavor of the uh, Kool-Aid that happens to be red. They tell me red. Clearly on the front package it says fruit punch. <laughs> yeah, you see red orange purple however you know the issue is that uh, you got to be able to relate to your kiddos right. you know that assume that assume criminality is not cool let's talk about you know what can we do to help this student what what can we do to help william leach be successful in the classroom mm-hmm. how, how do i relate to him what does he like you know uh, you clearly liked yourself william jr you 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 enjoyed building things with your hands you know if I put a, a game of football in front of you, you have already dissected the entire game geometrically, the field and what play is going to work. You've already done that. Kudos to uh, Coach Coverdale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Andrew Coverdale, if you're listening, you know, we got much love for you here. Kudos to Andrew Coverdale. Uh, definitely changed the way that I coach. Anyway, um, getting to know those kiddos. getting, And then we've got to have some more folks who are willing to get in the teaching profession to make that impact. Boom. Yes, you know? that's very true. You know, we got to have some folks. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ben. Well, I, I think that it can be said also about um, black people who want to go on to be police officers. Like I saw a lot of things being talked about where we were uh, people were citing statistics for there not being representation in police forces. But it's like at the like if if you're black and you've always been oppressed by the police, why would you want to go and be a police officer? Right. Mm. That starts with the ground level changing in communities and young people saying i am going to go make a difference and even if i am that person that annoys everybody in my precinct because i'm saying we need to change we need to change then that's a positive step forward for people who are younger for black men who are younger black women who are younger that want to become teachers they might have gone through and certainly at catholic schools here in louisville which are so parochial and so it just just old school tradition right they are looking and saying, I never had a black teacher. Right. So I want to go and become that, right? I think it starts there. Um, I think that, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I don't know where else I'm going with that. No, it's very true that I'm, I'm glad you said that, um, especially to the point where you said that, um, or in reference to wanting African-American men and women to go sign up to go be that police officer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I remember there was a protest that my father, you know, father and I did uh, here in Louisville, and it was a protest mainly of just black men, right? And there was a guy who had said something like, "One of the points or ways that we need to make change is that we need ourselves to go sign up and be a part of that police force." And and remember the the entire time everybody's giving their rah rahs and yeah, we should do this, but as soon as he said that line, silence. the the silence happens, the claps reduce. Now. You know, I myself was disheartened, but I do understand that, you know, how would it, I understand the point from someone that would say, well, why would I go and want to be a part of a police force that has oppressed me? Mm -hmm. Well, the challenge is if I want to change that police force in, in, in positivity, in in a positive way for myself and those lights in me, then you yourself need to be the one to go be that agent of change. What is stopping us? You know? It's same thing for the classroom. If we are the ones saying that, no, we don't have black teachers as black as a black man, I do challenge each other. Then we ourselves need to be the ones to go get into that classroom. 
don't complain about don't, it. Don't be complain about, about it. it. Be, be about, about, it. about it. That's the whole point of the podcast is we all see these these things that are wrong. We do see the needs that need to change. Well, all of us are able men and women to be able to be that change. Then absolutely go out, go out of your door and be that change. Mm-hmm. If you see um, a policing force that isn't isn't the way you want it to look in our age group, the 20s and 30s and teens, mm-hmm. when in that age group, we're more so looking for the careers and, and things that we want to do with our lives. This is our time to go and do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is for the for the opposite for the opposing side that says, well, all you guys are doing and protesting. Well, here is my here is my answer after protesting. Go sign up to go be that police officer. Go sign up and go be that teacher. Okay. Um, we get that we're tired. I understand that we're tired. I'm tired too, but I cannot stop. The ball has to continue to roll. Okay. So it does ask for that hundred per ten percent. It does ask for that hundred hundred and fifty percent that extra because mm. if we don't continue if we don't do the extra we only fall back we're going we'll just fall back into what we were before and nothing will change and look at what the protests have done right I mean I know in Kentucky we're frustrated about the fact that Breonna Taylor's murderers haven't been charged or haven't been fired that only one of them's been fired right but look at what protests around this country have done there have right. been changes absolutely people have been charged in other you know the the um cops up in minnesota that that killed george floyd have been charged i think i hope here's my hope is the people that stood around and watched that happen have been charged absolutely and and i think that is going to i hope i hope it scares the shit out of police forces that people start to then start to police the other people that they maybe didn't necessarily want to go there with that person because they worked with them and they're like i'm a good cop that's a bad cop i'm you know right. and they differentiate but now when you have people who are standing around watching it happen that are going to be held accountable for for that bad cop then you, then you got people who are going to yeah, start absolutely. to speak up and and absolutely. i really hope that that happens and yeah. continues to happen and that's something that we on our end have the opportunity have the have the ability to hold those guys and with guys and girls accountable those bystanders mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so these DAs that we're choosing to elect these uh, district attorneys that we're choosing let just because they're republican or or democrat that idea is what we're talking about changing so that that hope that you're saying that those bystanders have the same consequences mm-hmm. we're electing those guys on these smaller levels to hold them accountable okay so yes go out and vote we're not just talking about the president i'm talking about right. these smaller seats where you can directly affect change Dog, people in our community the what the, what the fuck has the president done for me good or bad exactly. really exactly I mean, i'm talking about the people who are here in my city yes right and, and i think we are exactly and i, I mean i can 100 percent not agree with things that trump is saying right i can 100 percent not agree with joe biden and saying but what, like you said, the things that affect me right here, right now, every day is a guy that's sitting on the council seat, is a mayor, the governor, the DA, things like that, that we don't spend time to investigate, that we don't spend time to be informed on. Mm-hmm. That's what the urge and that's what the challenge is to do. So like we said, like if you have, we have folks who have opposing views, then get informed so that you can explain it to someone else who isn't informed. Mm-hmm. That's what we're asking you to do. So at the beginning you asked, the what is it that the the 50 and above group can do to help the 20 and 30 year old group that's that you guys have the information that we don't have so share that wisdom us and show us how to you know i don't have no problem sharing my wisdom what happens is those folks who are in their 50s they don't want to lose that money 
they don't want to lose the power that they have because if they give up the power, that means that you take over and they don't necessarily agree with you. Oh, you're young. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's a total lie. That's a total lie. As you said, you're, you're educated enough to pick up a book and read. You don't have to be college graduate. But if you can open a book and read the words and find the definitions, heck, Malcolm X was not a, a college graduate when he first began. He was not. But the man could read. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I think it is necessary for us to become informed, know what we're going to talk about, and address that thing into intelligently, which brings me to a couple of things that, that really bothers me. As a math teacher, it bothers me that I hear people say stuff like, Black America is 13% of the entire population. They are the more minority, yet they commit 95% of all the crimes in America. That is the dumbest damn thing that ever hit the planet Earth. It's not possible, goofy. It's just not possible. The other thing that just bothers me is when I hear uh, folks say, oh, well, black America is all on welfare. Hello, I'm not. <laughs> and that's just not possible by the numbers, dummy. It's not possible for all of us to be on welfare. Did oh, okay, like today, per perfect example, there was a picture of 19 people that had just gotten charged in a welfare scam, and they're all, that none of them are black. Right. And none of them are what we would think, right, uh, would be the people that are, you know, the welfare queens, that, that mm -hmm. nasty stereotype, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. just, to, just to speak to that point that you're bringing up. It's just not possible. That's just, just dumb. Do a little bit of research, like you said, Will. Another point that, that really is burning my behind, I, I want to make sure I say it out loud, is the United States Marine Corps, and all, actually all of our four armed services, they don't care who you are. They just want you to serve and protect our entire Constitution and what we believe in as Americans. Okay, cool. One of the things we don't believe in as a country is we don't believe in bullying. We flat out don't believe in that. Hence, we get ourselves involved in conflicts around the world and end up policing the world because we want to stop bullying. Hmm. The irony. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, because <laughs> you know, we bully a ton of people, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know where I'm going, right? Yeah. You know where I'm going there, right? Right, right. Because we're uh, America is sustaining, call it America power, right? right? The Hello. dominance over the globe. Hello. Hello. That bullying thing, it makes me laugh every time I see it take place. And when I see opposing views of folks um, who try and use the Second Amendment, you know, their right to carry, open carry weapons and show a unified stance of strength that we got the right to carry our weapons. Oh, wow. Anyway, that we can carry our weapons and... Uh, we're going we're gonna to go down to, to Jefferson Square and square those protesters away. Um, I know for a fact the U.S. Marine Corps taught me how to shoot. Knock a knock a knot off a dog's dick at 500 yards in my sleep. <laughs> so if you think that you can shoot, I guarantee you if you move, I'm going to bust both nostrils off your side of your face. So that being said, the whole idea of bullying folks because you can open carry, it's a whole bunch of folks that has been in the military. It's a whole bunch of folks who haven't been in the military still know how to shoot. Quit bullying folks. How come we just can't get along with each other? Like, okay, you have an opposing view? Let's agree to disagree and still coexist. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the idea of, of bullying on, on, on either side, right, 
come from the things that we talked about before those those created stereotypes that you see from entertainment and see from the media so that person that feels that you know i have a right to 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 carry and want to go and and shoot somebody right because i'm afraid of my life afraid for my life they've got that opinion from the media they got that opinion from entertainment they got that opinion from whatever you know whatever internet outlet you know and that and that's the person that we're challenging to sit down and have a conversation with. Because if you actually, if that person in and myself or anybody else who has an opposing view actually sat down and spoke to one another, actually sat down and wanted to have a a real conversation with one another, mm-hmm. real that's, talk. That's truly not what that person believes. You're truly not that prejudiced or that racist, or you're truly not on either on either side. Right. So that's that's what we're saying. That this is the year that we should force each other who do disagree to have that conversation. So you have to get rid of that farce that, like we said, that everybody's prejudiced. You got to get rid of that farce. You know what I'm saying? We got, I'm not saying that you said that, but I'm saying that the challenge has to be made on both ends to have that sit down, to have that talk for that person who really believes that, well, this is why I, I'm afraid for my life. Well, he doesn't understand that because he's never had a conversation with somebody who's different from him. The media wants to sell fear and they want to sell a bunch of different things. But if you sit down and have those conversations, you realize, what was I so scared about? Exactly. What am I so afraid about? Exactly. So my question would be, since we know this, right, what is it that we can do to spark that, right? What is it that we individually can do to to create that change? I know there's always that person that says, well, I hear you guys talking, but you're not doing anything about it. We're on the podcast asking and trying to figure out, okay, what is it that we physically can do, right? And I believe that, like you said, our answers are to have those to in our quiet groups when we're not on the air, mm-hmm. in our quiet groups when, you know, you're not around those people that all get along to, to create that challenge, right. just to say those things, to say, well, I'm not voting for, for, um, for Joe Biden. Well, I'm not also voting for... Um, the the orange guy. Mm. Okay, well, why? You know, that's the that's the, that's the conversation that we're asking people to have. Well, why are you not voting for for Trump? Why are you not voting for Joe Biden? Uh, not allow people to have a prejudice on either side. Mm-hmm. Make people get informed is what we're asking here. That's the that's the be about it and not talk about it that we're saying. Mm-hmm. On on Sunday, uh, one of my friends sent me a video. Uh, through Messenger, and it was a group of Black Lives Matter protesters at a Trump rally. And this was in Washington, D.C. And these particular, it was only five BLM protesters. They were quiet and they were peaceful. But they were definitely being hurt. There were definitely words being hurled at them to try and get a response. And the people did not respond at all. So finally, the organizer says, hey, let's let the BLM folks come up and speak. This is to your point, William. The folks got on stage, Ben, and they said, look, we are not anti-cop. I don't believe anybody in this country is anti-cop. We are anti-bad cop. Mm. Nobody wants a bad cop on their police force. Black, white, green, or whatever. Yesterday, my friend I talked to you talked to you about earlier, who was the only white guy on the black basketball team at Central, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. He said to me, he says, Every police force already knows who the bad cops are on their force. They know exactly who those guys are. How could you not? But they cannot get rid of them because of the union. Mm. So 
the gentleman, uh, the, I'm not going to call him a gentleman, the guy that had his knee on George Ford, Floyd's neck. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't his first time. That was not dude's first time. It was just the time he got caught. Sure. Okay. That is it probably on every police force. Sure. Then what, was your, what would be your suggestion to eradicate that gentleman from being a part of the police force? Well, okay. For First of all, it only takes six months or is it six weeks to become a police officer? Does anybody know that answer? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's six months. I'm pretty certain it's six months. Here in, the academy here in Louisville is six months. Okay, yeah. So the academy in Louisville says it takes six months to be a police officer. Hmm. It takes four years to be a teacher. It takes eight years to be a doctor. It takes 12 months to be a chef, to know how to cook. But it takes you six months to be a police officer. The hell? So education is the key. Mm. That's goofy. So the first thing, that, to answer your question, it is the education. I agree. I agree. It has to be education. There's no way in the world you are a brand new green police officer and you're going to be able to pull somebody over and say license and registration and it go well. They don't even let you go out as a rookie by yourself to do that because those who are seasoned veterans know, nah, bro, you're saying that all wrong. This is going to go way wrong. And all we want to do is say, hey, you've been speeding. Okay? Mm -hmm. Heck, the time when, when you're a younger, younger young boy, William, and the police officer pulls me over for going over the yellow line three inches on Christmas Day and I'm in my suit because we're in a nice vehicle, his assumption was clearly that I was a drug dealer and I told him, dude, we coming from church, and he has me spread eagle. He was wrong as dead wrong. It just so happened the other veteran cop whose daughter I had taught said, hold on, man, what you doing to Mr. Leach? What are you talking about? They're coming from church. You really want to arrest this man for going over a yellow line three inches? Yeah, he hadn't been on the force long enough, but I couldn't say anything. But what bothered me and what really was on my mind was getting you, William, your brother Caleb, and your mother home safe. If he had arrested me, I was going to be good with that. What I didn't want to see happen was something happened to you guys. And your mom was hot fire mad. She going to protect her man. Now, nah, girl, get in that car and be quiet. You <laughs> dig? Education is the key. 1,000% mm -hmm. education is that key. So to, to just hone this in, where we're all agreeing on, I, well, I 100% believe that in order to believe, be a police officer, just like you would have to be a teacher, I believe that you should require a four-year degree. Actually, we, we we offer criminal justice classes in in our universities. Mm -hmm. If if you're wanting me to actually, you have you have to have a degree to be a parole officer, and other state state officer positions, but not for uh, a direct police officer, which is kind of weird, right? Mm -hmm. So, is there a petition that we can create? Is there something that we can lobby that says that, or you can lobby the union that says uh, to be an officer, I require you to have a four year degree of education. Is that a realistic, you know, stance? Is that a realistic thought process to say that? More than six months? It's got to be. I mean, six months and you're a police officer? No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that. Is that no, no, no. real I, person to that? I, I'm saying that my passion says that six months is not long enough. There's no way in the world you can digest how to be a public servant as a police officer in six months. Mm -hmm. right. I don't care who you are, even if you were the the freaking police officer of the North Pole. It's going to take you more than six months <laughs> to understand the people whom you are supposed to be protecting and serving. Right. That doesn't even make sense. How does this thing happen? How do we okay that? Uh, a gentleman asked me, I, I'm just so passionate about this thing, especially with Breonna Taylor coming to mind right now. 
uh, what was her boyfriend's last, his first name, his last name is Walker, Kenneth Walker. Okay, I challenge any of you guys, if someone kicks in your front door <laughs> and they don't announce who they are, oh. you're going to defend yourself. Of course. So of Kenneth course. Walker firing several rounds because somebody kicks in his door? Um, I raised my hand to ask, and what was wrong with that again? It just so happened a police officer got hit in the leg. Right. Boo-hoo. Isn't there something to reference called the um, the stand your ground law? Not in our right. state. Of Kentucky. It doesn't. It's a, that doesn't happen in, in Kentucky. Not in the state of Kentucky. That's truly a question because I didn't know. Okay. I wanted to reference it in 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 this situation. Like I wonder why that doesn't apply. Sure. So there goes my there goes my answer. So I'll shut up now. I, th- I had a big problem with that. You know, some people were saying at the time, oh, well, he shot back at cops, or you shot at cops. What did you think was going to happen? And But it's like, you're right. Who wouldn't want to defend themselves when that happens? But also, it's just, it's a disregard for human life. Hello. And that's where the problem stems. Part of it is you've got a police force that is supposed to be protecting and serving, and they're just going to kick down the door and just start shooting. And they don't care what happens. They don't care if they kill the family pet, if right. they kill your mom, if they right. kill the grandma who's sleeping on the couch. Like, right. it just that one doesn't make sense. Right. Um, there's a lot that I that you know we talked about America being the bully. Um, oh my God! <laughs> what was what was Vietnam about? It was about exactly. America not letting certain countries fall to the domino theory and us beating communist Russia, Absolutely. right? What was Iraq about? Oh, what was I, Afghanistan I was about? Wait to say that Iraq I, it was hundred percent a bully move. hundred percent. I mean, I mean, it's just it's it, it is um, the thing that you talked about, Coach, where uh, you had uh, white protesters with guns talking about my Second Amendments, blah 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 blah. Here's here's the big difference. Here you want to know what white privilege is? White privilege is being able to show up with a fucking automatic weapon right. and not being questioned about right. it and being asked, "Oh, sir, ma'am, Betty, right. Billy, will you please be nice, play nice?" But Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old is killed for having a fake gun in his hand right. and no questions asked. A disregard for human life. That's fucked. Yes, 100%. That's what I, I mean, I get that's when I'm ready to throw hands, right, honestly. Right, right. I and, I, you know, I think that there was another point that got brought up about uh, policing the police, right? right? And we were talking about microcosms in society right. where hopefully the, the police officers who were the bystanders who have been charged now will start to think twice about it. Exactly. Police are a microcosm of society as well. Absolutely. And what I hope is that people our age will that are standing around that when someone says something that's fucking wrong, then you have the bystanders, the people that maybe didn't used to speak up that now say, you know what? I don't want to get lumped into the same categories. Right. As police I'm, your groups, police your groups. Absolutely. hundred percent. You know, and I wanted to, I'm not to hurry up and change the subject, but not at all. Um, you were talking about uh, white privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pose a question to you because I, I hope that, well, I don't hope that when someone does watch this podcast and then that we're being so extreme in our examples, right? And we're talking about I, I don't think white we've... privilege, right? Mm-mm. Could you, you know, as, you know, like I said, you can't speak for everyone. Um, as a Caucasian male, um, speak towards white privilege and, and give, give us another example of what you see white privilege is. But I guess 
on our everyday level, on something that we experience in our community every day, something that I know that I can tangibly touch so that you can explain it to someone in a tangible way. The best way that I can the best way that I can describe it, and I was touching on this earlier, is white privilege is getting the benefit of the doubt. It's you know, and I've I've experienced certainly I've benefited from white white privilege, certainly being a, a heterosexual male white white guy. I've I've certainly benefited from like all of those different privileges. I've seen and been treated differently and by prejudiced people at our country club because I had a couple of friends with me who were black and they thought that we were there to cause trouble. Wow. And we were on the fucking golf course and using yeah. the swimming pool and these people were trying to jam up my friend and then wanted to say that he had an attitude because he was a little bit upset, understandably so, right. that he's being questioned like, right. well, who do you know here? Why are you here? It's like... Right. And and it comes to back to that point of assumed guilt. Exactly, that's not something that white people necessarily deal with. Okay, that's the benefit of the doubt. When okay. people look at somebody and and they say they don't know them, right? But they say, uh, in their mind, white guy, probably a good guy, probably right. wasn't, you know, probably whatever, black guy. I don't know. He probably was doing something he shouldn't have been and doing. That's the problem that we're talking about. You that, know, oh my God, that's that criminality. Assume criminality. That is that is why white privilege is getting the benefit of the doubt. It's it's not having to explain what are you doing running down the street, motherfucker. I'm getting my jog on, right? It's it's. Oh my god. I'm I'm playing you know cops and robbers, or I'm playing military out in the front yard. I I don't expect to lose my life because of that, right? And that's the point. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that's one thing that that that, that I, I guess kind of bugs me because I want to make sure I'm not speaking from a point of anger but I, I, I get really confused when you have the it, it, I, I'm confused of why there exists a Black Lives Matter movement and the the counter to that is All Lives Matter hmm. I'm, I'm confused of based off of the examples that we just brought, brought up obviously All Lives Matter the point that Black Lives Matter is because ours are not being ours are not a part of All Lives Matter somehow right now, so that's us screaming for help. So it just it 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 really bugs me to say, well, well, All Lives Matter, obviously. So if All Lives Matter, then why aren't you protesting with me? It, you know, <laughs> that, that throws me off. And when people say that, it's like obviously not too exactly because if all lives really did matter, if that's what you want to say to counter Black Lives Matter, right. and you're saying All Lives Matter. Well then, you, you, okay. All lives matter except Black Lives is it's basically right. what you're saying, it's right? right? It's almost like it's count, it's counterintuitive, like almost a conundrum. Like, well, you're wrong, and you're, there's a fallacy in your host. It, the, the statement is a fallacy, right? So, um, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, like I, I I'm out of words to say because I just I don't understand like how that could be true. To say that it just misses the mark, right? right and right. I saw an example of saying that. Like, uh, I'm just kind of like talking off the top of the head here because I can't really remember the example, but it was basically just illustrating the fact that if somebody said, um, you know, nurse lives matter and then somebody else was like, but doctors lives matter and was getting all pissed off about that. It's like, dude, okay, no one is saying that that your life doesn't matter, that that whoever you're thinking about when you say an all lives matter thing no one's saying that person doesn't matter we're we're all as you would say children of god right i would say we're all human beings from a spiritual level right but the fact is we are human beings and we should take care of each other and 
the Black Lives Matter movement is bringing light to lives that haven't previously mattered and voices that haven't previously been listened to and stories that haven't previously been given the time to be told, right? And when people say all lives matter or cop lives matter, it's a cop out. Yes, It's a cop out. There's no doubt that there's a cop out. I mean, to, to me, when I think about the whole idea of all lives matter versus black lives matter, um, I'd like to use a, a analogy that I also have heard, Ben, which says, you know, a hotel is on fire in room 212. Is the hotel on fire? Is room 212 on fire? Which one are you trying to get to? The, the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. America is on fucking fire. It don't matter that we talking about, I mean, as you said, William, earlier, it's assumed <laughs> that everybody is involved. As you said, Ben, it's a human issue. Mm-hmm. Our human issue, when the, when our forefathers of this country wrote, and it says, um, hold on, I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm, I'm being passionate right this moment, with, that we all are created equal. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't include people of color, Indians and women, obviously, because mm-hmm. many of those men who wrote that, they owned slaves. Many of them did. Sure. And then, you know, hindsight, they go, oh, dang, we can't rewrite the, the Constitution. I meant them, too. Too late. Too late. Yeah. We're just saying, hey, I'm tired. My hair is on fire. And I need you to stop adding coals to my own hair, my, my, my head that's on fire. Stop mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Stop with the nonsense. Go ahead, Will. I think that I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about, you know, this Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, right? Remember the line that we talked about, about 2020 being the year that we needed to see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that on this specific topic is where folks have the opportunity to insert prejudice or discrimination. Because let's look at when it's Breast, can- breast Cancer Awareness Month or we're talking about uh, 9-11 or, you know, everybody's unified on that on those subjects. It's, it's very easy and very plain, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you get to the issue of race, you, it's automatically divided. So that's an obvious problem that you as a country have to be able to realize that prejudice and racism does exist based off merely the line that says that the color of my skin is a movement. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I really feel like that us as a country has to realize that on the ground level in our homes, in our communities, that we have an issue with the color of our skin before the contents of the brain. You know, I'm going to say something that is going to uh, that that I'm just kind of putting together in my okay. mind right now. But we've politicized or we've let black and white become politicized. Oh, things. wow. Yes. Hello. When we talk about politics, I remember Kanye West getting upset and wanting to vote for Trump and wearing the MAGA hat, right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and felt like you're kind of letting black people down, right? Okay. I mean, how could you wear that hat but yet say that you're for the people? But that is to say that black people can't have differing opinions and choose right. for themselves. Right. And when we talk about, like, a lot of times we talk about Republican and Democrat and conservative and liberal, and a lot of people just assume that more people vote Democrat who are black. But Oof. but to say that is to say, well, you're just lumping me in because of the color of my skin. Oh when my you God. said, I don't want to vote Joe Biden and I don't want to vote President Trump, you might have people like, well, you're black. Why wouldn't you vote man, for the Democrat that guy? Happens, that happens a lot. And that's wrong. <laughs> it's 100% wrong, man. 
Oh, I'm, I'm at a loss. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one was going to be deep, but I'm like, I, had, I, had to know what I got stuck in my words. I was waiting to get my thoughts. You go ahead. So, so. I agree with you so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people can think for themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah, yes, people can think for themselves. You know, um, I was reading earlier today a little blurb by that involved, um, what is it? Let me get it right. It's called the Black Conservative. And one of the persons in hand who happened to be speaking out loudly about the black conservative is a woman by the name of Candace Owens. And Candace Owens oftentimes gives some truthful, hardcore facts. I will not take that away from that intelligent woman. Mm. It's just sometimes the way she uses them is some bullshit. Who cares what George Floyd did before he, I mean, before he was arrested. Mm. Okay, dude was using drugs. Okay, he did a porn film. Um, I think a couple of actors, actresses come to mind. Mm, what's her name? Pamela Anderson. Think she was involved in a porn. Kim Kardashian got famous from a porn video. I think Kim K did. Um, yeah, yeah, that, you know. <laughs> We're not gonna do that topic today. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and, and as far as using, what's what's my man that, that plays uh, the Iron Man, Robert Downey? Robert Downey Jr. Mm. was an alcoholic and a dad blasted dope fiend, and he's world famous. Yeah. Okay, he's that man. The hell? Don't be so flippin' judgmental. Maybe take a look in the mirror at yourself before you go pointing the finger at somebody else. Uh, maybe you need to get off your high horse and walk a little while. See what, see what some common folks are doing out, out here. Some of the farmers out here who are just trying to Make sure that the seeds are in the ground so that your behind can have some vegetables to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, again, get off your high horse. Go ahead, Will. Well, to the um, to the when you brought up um, the the lady Candace Owens, right? She's very controversial. She, like you said, she says some things that are off kilter, and then she says some things that are off point that are that are on point. Um, I think that she gets used as a vehicle of what we talked about before of the uh, a trigger vehicle right to take some of her words and are used in and out of context mm -hmm. now it goes back to a point that we talked about being informed and doing your research so instead of listening to the snippet that she says in support of MAGA or against MAGA listen to the entire the entire thing and it's something that we're talking about be be willing to listen to that to that opposing view mm -hmm. that, that's all I want to say about it. understand the context right understand understanding that. context is so important and, you know, if Candace Owens has controversial things to say, she, you know, we live in a country where that's celebrated, that right. she can have differing opinions. You know, somebody right. that, and, and, it, it, and, and I, I struggled with this a little bit, thinking about Jason Whitlock, who is uh, a really famous writer. He was in Kansas City, Missouri for a long time. He was at Fox Sports for a while. I don't know where he is now. But he takes a lot of stances that are almost like anti-black yeah. and that are seen as, not taking the side of the people, but, you know, he gets, I mean, he gets called Uncle Tom a lot, right? And it's it's because he takes stances a lot of times that are much more conservative and much more um, what some people would say anti-black, right? Just not really like, but but you know what? And, I, and, and, and just for the record, personally, I don't like Jason Whitlock. And sometimes I don't like him because I feel like, well, you're failing your people. Like you have this opportunity to speak on something and yet you're taking the, the side of them, mm. you know, but then I, but then I start to think about it and it's like, but I, I shouldn't, 
I shouldn't be mad at him because he doesn't think like everybody else. There we go. I might disagree with what he's saying, right. but he's allowed to have that opinion because we live in America and because not all black people or white people right. or Mexican people or gay people have to think the same and believe exactly. the same things, right? Exactly. It's it it's it's tough. It's it's a tough. Right. It's a heavy one. I think just to play. Oh, sorry. Just to play the other side of that, where the frustration comes from, right? Um, I don't know who Jason Whitlock is, but just from the speaking from the the people's side of why they would get or they or weeks. I've been frustrated too um, of someone who has a platform and is not using it for. Where this is the time to have that platform and not using it for to speak on the issues that we need you to speak. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what we're talking about of not having a voice, right? So when folks, myself included, are so angry about something that we're speaking on that is such a a large issue, and then when you do see that celebrity or that public figure who you know happens to look like you, and then they're not taking that opportunity to use that platform in support of what we're all talking about, there come here comes that frustration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now here comes that me not wanting to listen. So I think that's something that you know that we would like from a lot more of these public figures, a lot more of these celebrities who do have these platforms. We're begging and urging you since you have the opportunity to reach millions in one sentence. We're begging you to speak on the same issue that we're all talking about on our level with your one sentence. So when that doesn't happen, you get turned off immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, you know, it's the real of it, you know, from the other side. I, I can understand like why someone doesn't want to hear uh, uh, Jason Whitlock. Yeah, Jason, yeah. I can understand why somebody would not want to hear his full context of where he's coming from because you wasted my time when I don't have that platform that you have, and you never and you didn't use it for what we needed at this time. At this, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. So, but you know the the idea of folks. You know, I was talking about the the black conservative. I know, for, again, I want to say it publicly and loudly, I am definitely a conservative from the standpoint of where my faith and what I believe in. Mm-hmm. I do believe in that there's a supreme being that he had a inspired word written. Um, and, and let me go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off of the something else for all those numb. I'm, 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 well, I'm, hey, you know, you're going to need some mercuricone and some spray on this some here, boys. Some leaves some, here. Some, some ointments. <laughs> so let me put a little ointment on something real quick if I can get on my spiritual box. Mm. You know the Bible itself is written all by flipping Africans and Middle Easterns. You know that, right? Crap. Yes, it is. Now, has it been translated? Yes, it is. They they physically wrote the original Bible. They they are Middle Eastern and African. No, the one we have is 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 translated. However, that original written word those were Africans. Those were, as a matter of fact, you know. Here's a point of interest that I texted you earlier. Okay, so for all those folks who are Bible readers, check this out. Everybody know who King David is. Everybody knows who that for those Bible readers. You know. King David had a father. His name was Obed. Okay. Well, Obed's daddy and mama, one of them was named Boaz and one was named Ruth. Guess what? Ruth was a Moabite. Moabites are the American, uh, excuse me, the modern day African-American. That's who, look it up. It ain't my, it's factual. Check, fact check me, partner. So guess what? Black Americans, they have always been a part of that Bible, always, from the very beginning. I'm just speaking on one one issue, and the reason I bring it up 
Because without Ruth and Boaz, ain't no King David. Without King David, ain't no physical Jesus Christ. Now that part gets left out when they get to teaching on this stuff about the Bible. Again, going back to what you said, Ben, they better read. They better read. Better open up their eyes and read, man. See, I, I, I almost remember this sounds like kind of a, a, a different direction that you're going in. And, and I think that you're saying originally the Bible was written by some black voices and everything like that. But I remember being a student in your classroom and we were talking about history being written by the white men. And I, I specifically remember you saying, you guys believe in this white Jesus he was from the Middle East. He would have had a different skin color than what we see as the pictures of a white Christian Jesus. Think about that. And I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense that it's not, you know, just the hippie Jesus, that it would be probably somebody from the Middle East with darker skin complexion. And um, and I think, you know, history has been written by that, uh, by white people. The Bible, you know, I, I I'm not, honestly... I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here because I I have I've never read the Bible. I'm not not necessarily uh, a big big practicing Catholic or Christian or anything like that. But I would all, I would imagine that it was probably written for the people who were in power at the time, which were at, at biblical times were who. And, and and what we have gravitated towards was the King James version of the Bible, and that happens to be the, the, the Roman Empire. Um, excuse me, I'm saying that all wrong, saying that all wrong. The King James Bible is the one in which we gravitate towards. However, the people who were in power at the time and to address your question were the Romans. And because the Romans seemed to um, take over most of the European world at the time, they, the artists of that time painted Jesus in a way that they could relate to. Mm-hmm. But as I was saying to you when you were in high school at the time, that it's, it's impossible for the hippie Jesus, as you talked about, <laughs> yeah. to have ever existed in that fashion. It's 115 degrees in that part of the world every damn day. You know, as I know, if you're a light-skinned person, you're going to cook. <laughs> so he was not... <laughs> Blonde haired and blue eyed. That don't even make no damn sense. Right. So, you know, go ahead, Will. I wanted to play devil's advocate here, right? Um, and try to keep it towards issues that we're, you know, that we're facing right now. So with the the issues of the statues and the monuments and the paintings, mm. right? Okay. With um so we're we're calling out the truths of okay, Jesus wasn't white. We know that, right? And then at the same time you're seeing different churches, different schools taking down those pictures and those monuments of white Jesus and, and others. I mean, what, what are your feelings towards the removal of those statues or the, the keepings of those, of those, fa- of those faces in our communities? Fuck them all. Here's wow. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> no, and, wow. no okay. here, let me, let me, let me unpack that a little yeah. bit. Okay. Here's the way that I see it. If I had a child, I got a kid, a right. boy or a girl and I'm walking and I've got my kid with me. And she says, or he says, Daddy, who was this man? Right. Why do they have a statue of this man? Right. And I start to tell her or him about that person and who they were. Right. Inevitably, there's probably going to be some stuff that gets brought up that I don't like. Right. And that is wrong. And so why would I look at that and, and want to have a statue or an enshrinement of somebody that 
probably did some fucked up shit. Right. If it comes down, fine. It holds no bearing on me. I do think, I and I, I and I do think this too is, if we do tear everything down, uh, you know what what we would have called kind of like whitewashing, right? right? If we take all these things down, I do think that there is something to be said about having them to be there for conversation. And so when that child does ask, who was this person, to take that as a teaching moment to right. to say, you know, here was this person that did some really great things, but also had some really fucked up things right. in their history. But you know what? I don't, if I'm a good parent, I don't need a statue of that person to do that. I just need to take the time to educate my child that exactly. there's right, right and wrong. Right, right. And, that, and that's something I can I can 100% agree with you on, on on a few levels. You know, if you are going to have a representation of a statue or a monument of whoever, that's fine. I, I'm all for you having it, but represent it adequately. Okay. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to say that, you know, this is still part of my history, right? I 100% agree with you being a part of your history, but it doesn't need to be the representation for all of us if it's 100% negative, right? Mm-hmm. So with, you know, these these uh, Confederate guys and women and things, that these these statues and mon- monuments that are wanting to rip down, 100% rip it down because the reason for you having there is mis- is a misjudgment for what it actually represents, you know? I, I, I agree with the statement that says it belongs in a museum instead of, Mm-hmm. Instead of sure. in, instead of in our, in our sure. community, yes, keep it up, but put it where where it belongs instead of where you thought it should be. Sure, and I think that's the thing that that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. The challenge of getting rid of or one addressing that the existence of whitewashing is is real, mm-hmm. right? And then the challenge of of eradicating it, it it scares and rubs people the wrong way. Like we said, we well, we live in a community that's extremely extremely conservative by by nature. Right. Um, but why are you that if you're if you're such a conservative, that means you really and truly don't support what this what the statue represents, because mm-hmm. the statue in itself is not conservative at all. The person that represents that statue is not conservative at all. Probably well. a, a radical during it, it, their time. And right? That's what that's what got you the monument to begin with. You were a radical of what you believed in. Now, be that good or bad and whatever side you want, you know, every information you choose to divulge in. But you're far from a conservative you're far from a true republican sure. you're far from a true democrat based off of that so i i agree with the the point of having a representation of what your his, history is but represent it correctly i've never thought about that before of having putting those statues you want to tear them down fine because like i said I, you know most of the time if i'm running downtown or something and i run past a tas- statue i'm not taking the time to to read right. I, I have no idea like most of these statues that are coming down never known they were yeah exactly <laughs> couldn't right. have told you where they were couldn't have told you who it was of right so it, it it has no bearing on my life um what is what is interesting that uh is is a, a really big part of history germany is the holocaust right right and i have been to the holocaust museum in germany right there's not a slavery museum in the United States of America. I think there should be. I think there should be a civil war, a place where you can go where those statues can be and uh, statues of people who were considered radical that fought for civil rights movements right. that can go there. And if, if, if you want to tear down the statues, fine. Put them in the museum like you're talking about. Yeah. And then you can go and say... This is what happened, yeah. and and teach people, and exactly. and have teachers that are willing to do that. H- hang on, Ben. Yes, yes, there is a a uh, 
the African American Museum in Washington D.C. Okay. That it, we we don't call it and in Atlanta we don't call it the Slavery Museum, but there are exhibits that exist inside of that particular museum in which those folks you speak of who have done positive things they are there. Okay. They definitely do exist. The issue is that our history books don't say they exist. Mm. Mm. Which is <laughs> you know, uh, catch yourself, you know, our history books don't they don't they don't point out you know who who you know, we got all these stoplights, but nobody said, where do these stoplights come from? You know. You know, you want it? Okay, I got to pass it to Will right this minute. Okay, okay. So the history books, mm. right? I think that this is such an opportunity for our education system to step up, right? Definitely. So I can only speak from, I can only speak from experience to say that my history books is 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 full of history that is not mine, right? My history book is full of history that is extremely one sided. So I do. I, I really, really, really would like to challenge our education systems. Here's here's what your change that you can do. Here's my solution mm-hmm. for those who say we're not doing anything to incorporate other cultures in part of that book. From what I remember in our classrooms, my history was a paragraph or two. Yeah, yeah, and that was it, right? And it was Martin Luther King or or uh, Rosa Parks or Malcolm X. So basically. And what I was at, what I learned in in my classroom was my history started in the '60s for the entire black community. It was it was the '60s or slavery. <laughs> you tell me that's where my history started. And I got to just roll with that, right? Yeah, the 50 year olds are the oldest black exactly. people we have on America. Yeah, and, yeah. And and this is something, yeah. and, and this is something that I actually would have still believed today if it weren't for a Pan African Studies class that I that I um that I took when I my it was an elective I took my freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. So this is information that is available for our classrooms to be taught, and it's purposely not being done. Now, I want to know why. Why is that? Because when you talk about systemic racism, when you talk about systemic prejudices, when you talk about systemic oppression, it's teaching white people and keeping that status quo and, and not educating because it might be uncomfortable or we might feel guilty about it. You know what's crazy is that it wasn't until Apple put Juneteenth on my calendar that I even knew what it was. Mm, and I'm not saying mm, that was this year, but mm. I'm saying sometime in about 2014, 2015, whenever they put it on the Apple calendar, I said, what's Juneteenth? You know what else is crazy is reading about Tulsa, Oklahoma. You you didn't know about that bit. I never knew about that. Wow. Because it doesn't get taught in a class, and I had to sit there and educate myself on it and go, "Damn, this is really fucked up." But you know what? That was never taught in any classroom. I was over the age of twenty-five when I learned about that. These are the things that we need to start saying: is we want this to change. Police officers need to be educated for more than six months before they hit the streets. Yes. Teachers need to teach a, a, a class on history that isn't just white history. It's all history. These are all answers, guys, that we're talking about. So this, I think that from our for our entire conversation, we were able to divulge the problem and the answer in how long have we been sitting here? Two hours? Yeah, about an hour and a half. Almost half. an hour. My girlfriend's coming over in like 15 exactly. minutes. Exactly. I, I know my wife's waiting for me to get home. Hey, babe. You. What's up, Brett? You know, so it's not that hard to come up with the answer, and it's not, and it, and these are answers that we can physically do on our level that you don't have to wait for someone else to do. 
And that's something that I'm, I'm happy that we had this talk mm-hmm. was to be able to show people that you have the ability directly to be the answer to your own problem on our, on our level. We all know the problems. Yes. But you have been given the physical tools to be the change, to be the difference. So I thank you, pop. I thank you, Ben, for being able to be those examples. Show Ben so everybody can see who Ben is. <laughs> so to be that example of what's good, you know, was good. so, to, to be able to, being able to show folks what we're talking about by be about it and not talk about it. Thank you. Love everybody here. Absolutely. Uh, it, it comes down to something that I learned from you is be resolute, be resolute, be steadfast in your convictions, continue to be a leader in your community and an agent for positive change. Speak up. If you have the courage to say something, say it loud. If you have the courage to say something once, say it again. Don't stop. Even when you're tired and even when you feel like it's falling on deaf ears, you got to continue to push forward. And I'm glad that we had this discussion. I'm glad that we've stayed connected throughout all the years. And, Will, it's good to reconnect with you because I haven't seen you in over 10 years. But, Coach, Pops, you know, you know I got mad love for you and your family and Miss Carrie and Caleb and everybody. And... Uh, this is this is what we can continue to do, you know. As as a white guy, this is what I can continue to do is have these conversations and have these conversations with my friends when I'm not on air and police those people that act up. And if they want to act like that, either it's on site or they better stay the hell away. And that and that's real talk. You know, I want to close it out with um, the fact that at the end of the day, you got it, Will. My fault. At the end of the day, what really matters is being having some humanity. That's what really matters is having some humanity about yourself uh, to, to be able to call you son and you feel the same love that William has felt in his entire life is humanity. It wasn't the color. It was humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's all that is being asked of the black community is recognize me as a human being. Disregard the fact of what you've seen on television. Disregard what the media says. Uh, I, I enjoy the fact that you have this platform, Ben. I enjoy the fact that you and William can inter- intellectually discuss things at a level that says, I speak my mind, I've done some research, and I'm willing to say this is right and this is wrong. That's what's supposed to happen. There will come a time when I'm too old to make a decision for myself. That being said, since it's more of you young people who are physically out here working and doing things, then you guys have to be the force that makes the change. We old folks above 50, we're going to have to go sit the hell down in a minute. We're going to have to go sit down. Hey, watch your mouth, boy. Watch your mouth. I'm counting right yeah, now. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. I, ain't got no, I don't have no AARP card yet. <laughs> you know, but what I am saying is that you young people have to be that force of change. Okay? You want to know how? Speak up. Take office. Run. You might lose. Okay. Get up and walk again and run again. Because then you might win. I'm done. I'm done with it. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you, you, guys. Love you, man. Thank you, guys. Okay. Hope you guys enjoyed that. A lot to dissect. A lot to think about. I think that uh, if you listen to all of that and you've gotten this far, then um, you're probably left at the end of this thinking about 
how you might be able to make a difference and how you might be able to make uh, use your platform for good and um, probably have those people in mind that could use some of these conversations, right? And, and there'll be disagreements and that's fine. But uh, like we said, learning to have disagreements but find coexistence is how we grow together. Because if, if there's no dialogue, then, then what are we to each other? Nothing. We're no good. Um, I will be back next week. We're going to have a lot of Uber stories. And I'm also lining up a, a really great guest that I'm excited to uh, announce next week. So that'll be next Thursday. Uh, again, if you like this, please, please, please do me a favor. Leave me a rating and a review. Five star, of course. Right. And uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram at BennyTomp18. Uh, like the show page on Facebook at RealTalkWBennyT and uh, continue listening. Thank you so much. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.